what's up, guys? Welcome to the WCBC Podcast. My name is Hunter. My name is Alan. And I'm Josh. And we are here, and I'm kind of sad because last, our last podcast, I wanted to do like a, this is episode 20, and we didn't. So this is episode 21. Hey, we, <laughs> we've passed the mark. We've done 21. This will be our 21st episode, and we're super excited um, because, you know, I, I think it's just so cool that looking back, we have all these episodes um, and they're all about the Bible. And not only are they about the Bible, but for me, it's just a memory of a specific night where we talked about something great and something funny happened. Yeah. And I, I just love it. Um, and it's kind of, it's cool too. Grant's here, by the way, too. Grant, say hey. Grant's here, and Josh has started this thing that he's convinced that the more Grant is with us, the higher chance is that he's going to end up drinking coffee. Oh, he's going to. Side story. So this Sunday, this last Sunday, I saw that fly flying around. So yeah, I've got to tell this. Buzzing. I've got to tell this story. This last Sunday, we're sitting in here with our like our high school small group, right? And I I came in late because I was working on some stuff across the street. So I just stand up in the back on the podium. So I'm just like leaning up. I got my coffee cup, my Bible, and all of a sudden, there's flies flying out of the room around the room, just like right now. That little guy flew around the entire room, around all these people. And the next thing I knew, he flew straight into my coffee. And literally, I was just sitting there. I was like, is this really happening right now? Like, And one of the kids, uh, one of our guys, he, he's newer. His name's Josh. We have a lot of Joshes now. He, he was the only one that saw it. So he's cracking up. And I lean over to Nolan. And I was like, Nolan, look at my cup. And he thought it was the funniest thing, so he's like, that's what you get. But I just had to tell that because this fly. So watch your cups, guys. But, yeah, we're convinced Grant's going to, like, start drinking coffee. Um, we're not sure how long it's going to take, but we're going to keep offering it to him just yes. to see if he'll ever take it. So, But um, we are here this episode 21, and I, I'm really excited to be able to talk about this because, one, we're finishing up Discipleship Part four so we're finishing it up with this part four segment we're gonna have one question we got a great intro question um but before we even like continue guys how y'all doing doing great doing had a good week how's it talk about saturday this past saturday the community dinner oh yeah (laughs) it was awesome i woke up at four today and it's been a while since i've had to do that so i'm just slow but more coffee more coffee hunter yes but um well it was worth i got to sit in a tree stand but okay yeah, this Saturday we had our community dinner. Um, it was amazing. I mean, I, I got to do deliveries. Where were we all at? What was going on? I've done delivery also. Yeah, deliver. So the three of us were at deliveries, but it's funny because, like, you might sign up. Grant, did you serve food? I did both. He did both. What's, and that's what I was getting ready to say. It's fun. You sign up for one thing, but you end up doing 15 things. And so um, I got to scoop food for a while before we did deliveries. But, man, it was just a blessing, a good time. Um had a lot of people new show up to work. Um, I know during COVID, you know, we had some that were probably a little fearful to come work. But that's, you know, that's okay. Everybody makes their own decision. Um, but I think we served. All we had. It literally. I think it, they said it was like 1300 1350 1350 And I, I believe that holy. Um, I know they count every specific meal, but I, there could be a chance that it was more than that. I mean, there was trays. There was food. We ran out of turkey. We had to go buy hams. I mean, it got to the point where for desserts, they were getting store-bought cookies. I mean, just because that's all we had. Um, But I just think it's cool because, 
you know, when you do deliveries, like, yeah, we get, we take people their food, but it's just a cool way to meet people and interact. Like, you know, I know it's COVID time, but like, we just had people come out and just talk about how happy they were, how thankful they were. How glad they were that we were doing it. I mean, a lot of uh, community members, uh, whether they attend this church or not, uh, you know, I'll, I'll believe it uh, all my days. Uh, this, this, this assembly is important to this community. And, uh, you know, the, the timelines kind of get lost in podcasts. So on uh, November the 14th, we had our community dinner. And uh, we, we've planned and we've prepped and we've got folks to volunteer, just like Hunter's described. And uh, we have uh, different, you know, opportunities to serve. And if you, you sign up for uh, serving or prepping to go plates or whatever, if somebody sees you, standing idle yes you will get re- reallocated you're, 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 that's what i'm gonna say because that's what happened to me yeah so we've got we've got like this huge smoker that's it's on a, like a double axle trailer with two big smoke stacks that come out the top of it and uh, we're smoking turkeys and we're, we're warming beans and and, and and things like that and uh, you may be carrying trays of piping hot food or you may be uh uh, when I first got here, can you use a butcher knife here? There's two hams. Cut them off the bone. <laughs> yeah. So I, first thing, put gloved, gloved up and start yeah. cutting ham off the bone <laughs> before what, I started my delivery. What's funny, though, is like the last two years, so like I, I, I come in at 7.30 just to help Ava get everything, and it's it, it hasn't failed. Ever since I started coming here, probably three years, I get sign duty. So she'll be like, here's our signs, here's the balloons, go out and – Put them out, and she, like, this year, though, since we did it here, she had all these signs. She had them in order of, like, this one goes here, this one goes here, and I'm just sitting there, I'm like, can you say all of that again twice? I'm going to miss this. (laughs) Yeah. So then at that point, I was just like, hey, uh, can I recruit somebody? And she's like, yeah. So I I instantly was like, Drew, I'm going to go get Drew. He's one of our youth here. So I went and got him, super smart guy. I was like, listen, here's the order. Let's do this. And he was like, okay. And so he had all these ideas, and it was just perfect. You can tell by the, 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 the attitude of these ladies that kind of are the organizers. They all volunteer. Uh, there, there's no hidden gain in it for anybody. But you can tell their motives. Man alive, they're just – they want to serve, and they want to help people. Yeah. And because of that, I know what you mean, Hunter. Nobody wants to let Miss Ivy down. Nobody right. wants to let Miss Christy Lee down. When these, when these ladies come to you with something – uh, you know what their motives are. Yeah. And our, our it's hard to serve yeah. in that scenario and not be in a great mood about it yeah. because we know what we're doing. And that and that's the thing, too. Like I, like I said, I've been on the deliveries the last few years. And just to be able to like talk to people, meet people. And it's awesome, too, because it opens up a doorway to go back yeah. and talk to them again. Um, but, man, it was, it was just a blessing to be able to serve our community and, you know, it's even like, you know, I help run media here at the church, like our social media platforms. And someone sent a message in through Facebook just talking about how grateful they were that they got a meal. And that's worth it. That's worth it all. So that's what it was. Those are some highlights um, of what happened this last Saturday, this last Friday. Um, and, man, Sunday was just a great way to end it. We had a, a great service, two great services, and uh, just really looking forward to what the Lord has in stirs in 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 store (laughs) as we come to the end of this year we got some programs some things going on so uh but um y'all ready to kick it off ready all right so here we got an intro question this week and man uh this is this is a good one um 
I'm going to pull it up. But basically, it's what are the different translations of the Bible and why are there so many? How do we know what's good to use? Is it King James only? So, man, there we go. We've dropped we've dropped dropped the gauntlet um and now we're going to walk in it because I'm adamant about this and I it's not I don't take it personal, but I've just studied a lot on this because I've grow I've grew up right in the Baptist faith and, and a lot of congregations that claim the King James only. But what's interesting is when I turned probably about 12 to 13, my parents bought me an ESV Bible because my reading level wasn't at the King James standard. So from about middle school till now, I've always had like this, this Bible I have right, this ESV Bible, I think I've five plus years. And I mean, I've just carried it and I use it. It's my bigger one. So when I want to get into deeper studies, so I've kind of grew up more in my teenage to my 20s on the ESV version. Um, but before we even dive into the history or like, I mean, personally for you all, what, what has it been like growing up when you hear about versions of the Bible? What have you heard? Well, my growing up is, like I said, I mean, you know, part of my whole salvation story was before I was saved was, you know, I tried a lot of different denominations. And I also tried a lot of different versions of the Bible because basically, like I had mentioned in our previous podcast that, you know, if somebody said something that was more influential to me and made me believe that side more then that's the side I was on. Um, So I I had had I had numerous different versions of the Bible that I had read through um, different parts and pieces of most mostly, I guess it would be obtaining the Bible, because at that time I really didn't read and study. Um, but then once I actually did start reading, the very first Bible that I actually started reading in was a New King James Version, and then uh, I after that I went into, um, I got a King James Version Bible, and I read it, but the great thing with the time that we live in is, um, with the technology that we have, you can actually see all the different Bibles on lay one up, screen. Lay them out side by side. Side by side, each text. And you can go verse by verse and see the different translations. You know, and I mean, I and, and, and that is one of the things I think technology is at a benefit for us. Yeah. So, and I grew up, uh, you know, in a uh, rural mountain setting. And our, you know, belief system is King James only. Plus or minus nothing. King James. And uh, not that I regret having that upbringing because the one thing about reading the king james version of the bible is it is on a more mature uh level uh, and uh, when you when you read it it really takes effort and, and study but uh, i tell you what when you when you look at translations that i mean the question was worded perfectly they're all translations even the king james yes is a translation Second, it's, right. a, it's a translation so well, what we want to make sure is we if we get into the 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 the, the meat and the, the the value of this question that was asked, we want to make sure we stay focused and stay concentrated on the fact that understanding the concepts and the precepts in God's Word is the most important. Getting hung up on what <laughs> translation or what version you're using is basically uh, things that kind of bog down. Uh, you know, spiritual progress and, and maturity in, in in my life especially and uh 
when you when you start looking at uh, the the different translations, I, I mean, I don't speak Greek right. or Hebrew or, or any any of the the the, the languages that the, the original. So I'm dependent on a translation. Well, and man, I've got some charts I'm going to break out, but it's even like today, you know, I was kind of thinking about it and, you know, I was, I was looking at, you know, in the Bible and it says study to show thyself approved. Like, you know, a lot of times you look at the King James version and we hear the word study. So what, I mean, what do we instantly think of? We think of make taking an effort or making time to study something out like you would anywhere else. Like you open up your book, you take time. But it's interesting because when you look at like the ESV version, and I have it pulled up right here, it says do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. So people will create an argument of, well, the ESV is watering it down. That's not true, King James only, because it said that's the ultimate. But like even when you think about this, like – the, if you look at the definition of the word study, because you have to understand that the word study now didn't mean study back then. Words were different. Definitions were different. So now when you look at the definition of study back then, it says to hasten, make haste, to exert oneself, endeavor, give diligence, uh, to make an effort, to prom- to prompt um, or earnest, do, do gi- diligence, be diligent, labor, study. So it's not talking about a specific of opening a book and digging through something. It's talking about making an effort. So when you look at that and it talks about making an effort to present yourself to God, right? That's very key. And you're, well, do you mean, Hunter, we're not supposed to study? No, look at the end of the verse, rightly dividing the word of truth. So it's talking about making an effort to rightly divide the word of truth. So whether you cling to that e, the King James version or you look at the ESV version, it's different reading levels and it's different type of English, but it's both the same, same thing. Yes, and they get to the same salvation as through Jesus Christ. And the the most important thing about this topic is, Hunter just mentioned it, it's understanding, making yourself a, a student and, and digging and learning and under, applying that, uh, what the word means to your life and leaving... Uh, I won't even name translations because I might offend somebody, but I'll name you, them for you. Well, in a well here, here's Dillo. Here's Dillo. Uh, are all of them scriptural? There's some out there that do. When we talk about taking away from them, there's some that take away and make uh, yeah. the word of God fit a lifestyle. And we've talked about this before. Well, how do we know if this one is, if this one ain't, or that one's good, or this one's bad? You got to know the word. And yeah. You got to have. You got to have a. a, a, a an upbringing in and a background in the, the concepts of God's word, and you've got to be able to realize, hey, there's something, something's not yeah. right there, something's wrong, something's askew there. That's what. That's why I've just come to a point where it's like, whether it's my King James Bible, my ESV Bible, um, I'm about to get hopefully get this MacArthur NASB Bible because I like reading it. To me. It's just three translations, but see, what I build my truth on is the definitions of the words. Because when you look up the original definitions of the word and you understand what that word means, you can look at all three versions and see it's saying the same thing. And I think that's the key context of really making an effort to rightly divide the word of truth, so the Bible, but literally word. 
And, and so, because you have to understand, this isn't our Bible. Like, mm-hmm. yes, this is the book we cling to as a Christian faith. This is the word we cling But this isn't ours. This is God's. So when these scriptures were written at a specific time that was way before 2020, we have to try to get to the point to see what the writer was saying, what he meant, because he was the one that was inspired to write it. So, now... With that being said, and I'm not I'm not going to dog on any translations. I'm going to mention some, though, because it's important to know this. So when it comes to translations of the Bible, you have specific Bibles that were word-for-word translations. Um, so, for example, another chart I'm going to go to here in a minute is when you look at like William Tyndale's New Testament that he wrote in 1525, or you looked at look at the tech, uh, Textus Receptus, um, that was one of the first things that was written in 1516, and you know when you had the Latin Vulgate that was written in 400, you have to understand that like here here's the originals, here's the translation, here's the translation, here's the translation, and now eventually you would see that the English translation would come around when Tyndale would start help helping he was a major movement he was burned at the stake and he went he was one of the biggest people to help the Bible get to the English translation we'll get to that in a second though so you have to look at how there's word for word translations so that means men have looked at the original text the original writings and they've tried to do a word for word from uh, Latin, from Greek, from Hebrew, they've tried to do a word for word to match it with an English word or phrase. Because sometimes you look at them Greek definitions and it's like four words with one thing. That's because it was one Greek word. So you look at word for word translations. So you have the NASB, the ESV, the e, the NET, the KJV, and the K. Well, not the K, the NKJV. So, you know, the New American Standard Bible, the English Standard Version, the New English Translation, the King James Version, the New King James Version. So these are your uh, five word-for-word translations. And if anyone were to ask me, what is your recommendation? I would tell you, go get a word-for-word translation. Because they're... It's like Pastor Jason said this Sunday. I keep burping. Um, He said, hey... A lot of people, if you say that this is just hard to understand, it's not hard to understand. You're just not putting in the effort, uh, paraphrasing what he said. But that's the truth right there, is that the Word of God is not hard. Sometimes it's hard to understand things, but you've got to put in the effort. You can't just read it like, you know, an ESPN magazine and be like, oh, this is too hard. I'm putting it. That's, that's not it's, it. It's not It's not meant to be read. That that's way. not it. And when you look at true discipleship, someone who's in true discipleship realizes that. Absolutely. We're going to finish this podcast up with that last question. But then you have um, something like meaning for meaning. So what one passage means, they're going to rewrite. So that would be like the God's Word translation. I really haven't heard about that one or got into that one. Um, Then you have the thought-for-thought translations. So this is like if there's a thought of sin, they're going to try to match that in a thought-for-thought way, not a word-for-word. They're going to match the thought with different words of English. They're not going to try to do a word-for-word. And you got the Christian Standard Bible, the NIV, and the NLT. Now, the New Living Translation, I read that one for a good while. I learned a lot from it. Um, But then you get down to the paraphrase. And that just means this, like when the Bible says, for the wages of sin is, is death, this version of the Bible is just a paraphrase. So it could say, 
if you do a lot of sinning in your life, then what's going to happen is that, so it's literally like if I were to just paraphrase Romans 6, 23 and write it down. And so you'll see like the NIRV, um, new international readers version, the message version and the GNT, um, which is the good news translation. So you really have to look at all these, and I know that's a lot, and I've been talking a lot in the last 10 minutes, and I apologize, but we, you really have to hit the span and explain the translations, because if you want to know what's best, you really have to look at what it is, because in my personal preference, I want I want to get as close as I can to the original text so I can understand, but then you have the opposite end of the spectrum, which is the message version, which still tells the message of Jesus But that's a version where if you're wanting to get into some serious study and doctrine, you may not use that because it's not a word for word. It's just a paraphrase. And so, uh, you know, I know young Christians new in the faith that have all these like newer versions and different things. I think it's I think it's great because they're getting to read the story of Jesus in such an easy way. But if you want to get into some meat, you're going to have to get into something a little more difficult. And that's going to be part of what we talk about in our closing of the discipleship is the, the, the initiation or the beginning point. There's, there's, there's got to be some type of an understanding. I know you have the, the, the Holy Spirit in to help you, the teacher that, that guides you. But that, that process, man, if you've not got somebody that's vested and pouring into you, uh, sometimes it's a little more challenging because everybody's, uh, circumstances are a little bit different, you know. Everybody's not got a good, yeah, uh, m- you know, mentor right there, you know, over, around the shoulders and, and guiding and teaching them. Uh, some some folks have to be self motivated. And again, the subject the subject matter again is God's word, and it's it's a it's a topic that I appreciate what you said. It's you can't just sit down and read it like Time Magazine because it's not it's never intended to be uh, just no. sit down and read through. It's it's divine and it's 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 it was inspired by God and. And all of the the principles that are in it, man, alive, they're, they'll help you. And they're, they're, they're new. It just seems like every time yeah. you sit down and, and, and look into it, it's new. And you talked about the uh, one of the previous podcasts, how that uh, your dad advised you to go read a, a passage of Scripture. And you're like, eh, I've read that before. I've studied that. I know all about that. And he's like, no, you're not listening. Go read it. And when you did, it's 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 brand new every time you read it. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, as we, as we, you know, all of us, even even myself here in this podcast, I'm in the process of, of of discipling and being discipled and learning and and and, and drawing and adding to, uh, what God's got in store for me. So as as we go through discipling, let's let's all just keep in mind, the process that we go through. Man, God's got lots of resources out there for us to utilize now. Before I talk about the history, um, I kind of want to, in a sense, I've got the arrow pulled back, and I'm just going to let go. You you also have to consider this. So if you're listening to this, and maybe you're like, well, I don't agree with you guys. Why do you not agree with us? Study it out. Come tell us. The second thing, if you, like when people, like for instance, like here at the youth house, like Every year we buy a new, the same set of ESV Bibles because when I have a kid come to me that says, I want to learn more about the Bible, what should I do? I have an ESV Bible that we give out that I've went through and I've looked at and I think it's great for starters. 
So I hand those out. I don't want them to go buy one. Here you go. So I think you also have to consider where they're at. Like, if you just say, like, King James only or ESV only, but let's say you can study that. Let's say you understand that, and then you just want to push that on somebody and say, well, this is how it is, and you have to do it. Then you're creating a filter for them out of your conviction. Now you're pushing a conviction on them, one. But two, what if they literally, like, what if they can't understand Understand it? it? Because we're supposed to lift people up. We're supposed to edify people. What's, what's the goal? To make them like us or to make them like Jesus? Make them like Christ. And yeah. I want people to learn. And so, like, you know, now here's another thing. Like, I've been to churches before, right? And they're like, we're King James only. That's great. They've invited me to preach. I want the church to be edified. I want them to be lifted up. I'm not going to cause strife. I'm not going to cause division. And the cool thing is, is I have a King James Bible that like I use a lot because it's my bigger study Bible. Like when I get into some deeper stuff, I like to really get it out because I have a program on my computer called eSword that has King James Plus, which has your Greek references. So I sit there and I compare and I go through and I dig it out. I can do that. I'm not going to push that on little Bobby who's 15 and 16. Now, I know some teenagers that can handle that. I know some teenagers that grow in that. But I'm just saying this. It's like, so I'll I'll go to that church. I'll do that. But, but, you know, it shouldn't be, you know, preacher, you come here, you got to bring that King James. You can't bring anything else because at that point, it's like, do you want to hear a message about truth? Or are you gonna argue over a preference? And we could we could get into the whole Paul's conversation on meat that was sacrificed to idols. You know, most folks wouldn't eat it because oh, it's sacrificed to a, you know, it's dirty or it's unclean or well, I'll say it's meat. Well, it's dead. I've seen some places. I normally kill meat before I eat it. Yes, (laughs) and I've seen some places too that it's just like can't you know. Not what is it, sixteen eleven? Well, yeah, the 1611, nobody even carries that anymore. Really. And they're just like, I mean, I didn't know. I'm like, oh, I didn't know you could speak like French yeah. or Latin. I mean, really, will you read it to me? And it's just like, I mean, it's like our pastor one time, he said he had a guy come in the church and he was just on everybody about the King James, the 1611. That's how it is. And so one day they, they just got the 1611 out and it's like, here you go. He didn't know, he didn't understand it. And it wasn't to correct him. They did it out of love so that way he could see and learn and then he could grow. And he did. But it's just one of those things that you really have to be careful, like pushing the standard and making a standard. Now, you might be listening and think, Hunter, you're, you're, you're a liberal. Listen to you talk about, no, 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 no. I'm not liberal when it comes to translations. I do have a personal opinion. Um, I haven't. Really, I've told you my recommendations a word for word. I'm not going to go into what my not recommendations are because I'm not here to cause division. I'm not here to cause strife. But I will re-say what Alan said. Some Bibles take things away, like the reverence of God. A lot of Bibles will take he or she and make it gender neutral. A lot of Bibles will take the word blood out. A lot of Bibles will take the... It's out there. Poison. It's poison, and it, and the reason we're not getting into the real nitty gritty that really likes to you know get, get controversial and 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 combative in the conversations. Uh, the reason we're not getting into that level of 
explanation into this question or answering into this question is because there's a certain amount of discipleship and learning that has to take place before you can even entertain that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to have a certain spiritual maturity level before you can even talk about it. And, well, I mean, that's the thing. So you have to be able to, one, you have to be able to understand what you are reading. So if you, I mean, for me, myself, I have to read, it doesn't matter what translation it's in, I have to read it two or three times before it really starts Absolutely. to sink in. That's yeah. just a, my level of skill set when it comes to reading and comprehension. So if if you can't understand what the words are saying, no matter who told you that that is the, you know, the correct translation or not, to not understand it. I mean, if I get anything in the mail that's legalized, written in legal terminology, you know, I take it to an attorney and I'm like, hey, what's this mean? And he looks at it for real quick. And I mean, I've read it 10 times. He looks at it and he's like, oh, this is just formalities. It's nothing. Because it's the way it's written. The thing about it is, you know, so like the King James Version, for instance, was written in a time and an era that that was the spoken common language. If you have a 10, 11, 12, 13, 15, 17-year-old student that is coming to you, they're not going to understand this. It's, it's, not, it's not common practice, and it's not commonplace, especially if they're a new convert to Christianity, or this is the first time they're coming to church. When you're raised around something, you hear it repetitiveness, even though you haven't learned it through watching, you've learned it through hearing and you know, so when, if you were raised in a church that is King James only, over the course of your time, you, not that you speak that language, but you understand it just by hearing it. Yep. When you come in, like, you know, for instance, at our church, we have the bus ministry. These kids we pick up, some of them, this is their first church experience. They have not heard the language, and they'll they'll laugh, and, you know, they make funny comments, because when you read something from the King James Version, it's a word that they're not used to hearing because it's they so they are like, what's that mean? Or, you know, there'll be other words that, you know, it's in today's time in society, it means something completely different in the language, yeah, in our language. So they hear it and it's in the new King or it's in King James and they're like, oh, and they, they snicker and stuff. Yeah. And that's the thing that we got to keep in mind that it's, it is like Alan said, it's a translation. This is not the originals. Yeah. And I mean... And it's even like, see, when I get to preach places or like teach, see, my if it was my my personal choice, I would always use an ESV or an ASB version because, and I'll explain this. So when you hear this, if you disagree with me, you'll at least hear my explanation. My studies through my ESV and my King James Bible have come to this conclusion that when I look up a definition of a word. In my King James Bible, I look at the definition, but not only that, I look for synonyms, which are words of the same group. They mean the same thing, but different words. And when you look at that, I'll then go to my ESV Bible and see all of the words that were synonyms and a part of the definition of the King James word. They're all the same. Yeah. And that's what I've come to my like my, my study so far of going through my ESV and my King James Bible. So I know when I stand to deliver something that whether it's my King James that has, you know, this big word. Well, when I use my ESV, it's the same thing. It's just more simple words. And that's the thing. It's, it's like, you know, MacArthur. I mean, MacArthur speaks Greek. MacArthur speaks Hebrew, 
but he doesn't preach in Hebrew and Greek. He preaches from a NASB because he understands that there are people in his congregation that are wanting to learn, that have a desire and a fire for the Word of God, but they're not at Greek and Hebrew yet. So he's going to give it to them in the most simple form. He's not going to water it down and take away from doctrine because exactly. we, exactly. we yeah. all know he preaches and truth. That's the, that's the basic, uh, if we had a, a point that we want to make about translations and and, and, and material uh anything that dilutes or takes away from is poison and anything that helps you understand and, and develops your uh relationship and your spirituality and your discipleship that's uh, what we want to encourage and yeah. focus on yeah and i mean that's one like our pastor and i've done this before in, in front of our whole congregation sunday morning sunday night is you'll notice that like he uses his king james because that's what he loves to study out of that's his preference but there's sometimes where on the wall you'll notice it's in King James, but then all of a sudden he say, he'll say, um, I want us to read this from the ESV, the English Standard Version as well. And they'll throw it up on the wall because he's trying to show that the ESV version has a little bit better of a flow, but we can understand what the Scripture's saying a lot easier when you see them compared to each other. And I, I love that because he was raised in the King James only atmosphere, you know, when he talks about it. But for him, he's not about preferences or filters. He's just about the Word of God being shared and being taught to its full extent. And so that's where he'll pull those easier translations. And that's where, when you look at this other chart that I have, okay, so for for example, like, you know, you have the Latin Vulcate, then you got Wycliffe, you got all these, you know, early church fathers that come along. But like I mentioned earlier, you know, you have the Textus Receptus, um, the Greek text, the 15, you know, 15, 16 around there. Okay, well, it's there, right? And so you'll have like the New King James Version come from that. You'll have all some different things come from that. But then from that, you have William Tyndale, the guy who, go study about him. I mean, he just had a huge help in the English Bible coming to, you know, English people. So that's in 1525, but see, out of there, you've got uh, Matthew in, you know, 1537. You've got the Great Bible. The Great Bible was written and made in 1539. You've got the Bishop's Bible that came. Wasn't that the one that the King James was modeled after, was the Bishop's Bible? And that's where, then you got the Geneva Bible, which um, Calvin and another guy had a huge help in the area of Geneva. But then, so those stem from the Tyndale version. Okay, but then the Bishop's Bible, as Josh just said, what stems from the Bishop's Bible that was written in 1568 is the King James Version, which is the 1611. And the New King James, which came around 1982. So they all are stemming from what Tyndale wrote. Okay, now I want everybody to listen to this because you, you really have to see this. Okay, what comes from the King James Version? The revised version, so it was revised in 1885. And then the American Revised Version came out in 1901. But what comes from that King James Revised Version? The NASB, the ESV, the RSV, and then the rest of the Bibles, like the phrase for phrase, the uh, all of those, they're all going to pull something from the King James Bible. So you have to understand, you might cling to the King James Bible, but if you have a brother in Christ that comes up to you and says, well, I read ESV, why are you going to condemn them? 
or be mad towards them because the Bible they had was revised off the one you have in your hand. And so we have to see that it's not a separate entity. It's not a separate version. It literally came from the King James Version. Now, like I said earlier, and I'm going to pass this to Josh, word-for-word translations are my... You you need to be in word-for-word translations, in my personal opinion. All of them stem from the the King James, which stem from the Bishop, which stem from the Tyndale. So there's a, a lot of accuracy in there, but we can't just claim one and then ban the others because they're all literally in the word for word family. Yeah. So when, when you were making mention of that, it made me think of, so what would be the, at what cost are we doing it? Are we doing it to help edify the brother? Are we doing it because we believe it because that's what we prefer? So are we then pushing our preferences onto another fellow believer who, if they're weaker in faith, we cause them to eventually could stumble. And at, for what expense? So because they don't read the Bible or the version that we prefer. And, and that's, the, that's kind of the corrosion that's happening in the modern church. Is that there's a lot of preferences and a lot of traditions that are getting forced upon people. Yep. Especially new converts yep. that... that it's it's unneeded, and it's 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 at an expense that is very very costly because we're talking about somebody's salvation and soul yeah. of truly seeking Christ, and we could be the cause of putting a bad taste for them what they consider to be Christianity just because of a preference that we had. And this is just one topic that I mean, Josh, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, as Christians, uh, our goal should be to see the church prosper. Our goal should be to see new believers born into Absolutely. the family. Our, I mean, our goal should be to have a image in the community that's respected. Yep. Yeah. And I think for too long, God's so-called, so-called God's children have bickered and argued and uh, split hairs over things that were inconsequential and over opinion yep. have left an image in a lost and dying world's mind and in their eye that's not attractive at all. Right. I don't want no part of it. Exactly. Yeah. No, no, part I, of I, it. no part of it. And and it's like I was, it's like Josh said and Alan said and I said, you really just have to look at what edifies the people. Like, how do you want them to learn? And, I mean, that's why, like, when places invite me to come preach at their churches, if I know it's King James only or they that's what they all use, then that's what I'm going to take. Because the message is still going to come out the same way, whether I read it from my King James or my ESV, because I study from both. If I go somewhere, like this youth house up here, I use ESV. If a church invites me and I know that's what everyone uses, that's what I'm going to bring. Because it's like, you know, we had someone, uh, I, someone listen to me preach once, okay? So I start out in the ESV Bible, and their first thought is, uh-oh, he's not in the King James. But by the end of the message, you know, they came up to me and they're like, hey, I, you know, I'm not going to lie. When you started out, I thought, he's not the King James. Oh, no. But then the next thing I heard was, but then I, I listened. And you were talking about the ESV, but then you were quoting King, King James text. But regardless of which one you were reading from or quoting, you were in the context of that p- specific passage. I don't, I don't think that's too much to ask either. Me being a, and I'll, I'll just speak from my experience being raised in a Southern Baptist Church that was 100% plus or minus nothing King James. If you let that stop you from listening 
to the message, please, you, you need to reevaluate and, and hear the message out. Understand, break it down, dissect it, look through it, see if there's anything unscriptural in the message, and don't let that one little yeah. discrepancy yeah. completely derail you. And I think if you just, like, if a pastor gets up and, like, his whole congregation uses an NASB word-for-word translation, and he uses a King James, it's going to be hard because there's going to be a misconnect because he might be reading what? 10 verses, but they might lose where he's at because the English is different. You, you know why I might bring that point up? Because I've been that guy who's been sitting in the congregation and say, huh, my Bible don't read like that. He must be he must be a heathen. Right. You know what I'm saying? I, yeah. I've been that guy. And understanding that in my own development, in my own spiritual maturity, and and getting to a point where I'm old enough till I can sit here and listen to this man and decide for myself without somebody telling me if he's preaching the truth or not. Right. I don't need somebody to tell me that. Exactly. I should be uh, able to discern it. I should um, be able of my own ability right. and my own, uh, you know, uh, education in the gospel yep. to listen to somebody and determine whether the message is scriptural or not. Right. And that's the beauty of it. And, like, you know, and it, and it ties directly into the discipleship part of it, too, is that, you know, as as Christians mature, we need to get to that place to where, you know, there's certain things that it, we're going to be okay with. You know, I mean, Pastor made a reference last, and I'm going to loosely explain it, but he said that, you know, if when you go to offer help, make sure that your faith is strong enough that you're not going to have them pull you down. Is, is basically what he got. And then the thing is, is that when you become to that place of understanding, you know, there's certain things that, you know, you could be comfortable in your faith with that you're not going to get so easily offended or right. so easily right. tore up over, yeah. you know, that you can be comfortable in your faith with because you have the, it's been settled. And, I, and, I, and our goal is not to convince or convict those King James diehard dedicated people that they're wrong. That's yeah. not our goal at all. Yeah. If that's what you want to use, that's then use it. Use it. Yeah. You, absolutely. You glorify God with the King James absolutely. Version, brother. We'll back you up. But when you look at, you know, Mitchell's question, and thanks for the question, Mitchell, you know, he asks, which is, what's the difference between them all? And is it really just only King James only? Because that's how he's heard it his whole life. It's just King James only. And I'm here to say that it's not. Now, I'm also going to say, that that doesn't mean you should just open the pool up to every version of the Bible because I'll have a different conversation with you in person about which ones that I strongly say you shouldn't use. But you know when you look at it, it it, it really and this is this is just on on me a little bit is if a guy uses a different version, it's not about the different version. You should be more concerned if he's preaching a different message, yes. a yes. different gospel. Yes. It's it all about the content of the message because mm. if he uses the ESV Bible and he gets in Romans 6 and he's reading it different, but he's still talking about that if you sin, you will die. Right. And you have to... The message is still the same. same. And so when someone stands up and they might be coming from a version that you disregard... Okay, look at your version... Look at the text, listen to the message he's preaching, and if that man lines up with the gospel, then there's no reason to try to deflect him well or disencourage him because he is still preaching the same message. And that's the thing that like, I'm adamant about. 
I'll use the King James. When I preach on Sundays, I get my King James out because I know everyone over there has one. I'm going to use one. I've used a new King James version over there. I don't know if anyone ever caught on. I've used that over there. But when I come over here and I'm with 16-year-olds that don't know a lot, I'm with 18-year-olds that are just starting their lives, I'm going to get that ESV word-for-word translation that came from the King James translation. I'm going to break that bad boy out, and we're going to sit down and talk about things where it's so simple that when they leave, they've learned something, and that they've heard it, and it's been easy, and I'm just telling you, and the message is still the same. And that's a and that's the thing. And when I have guys like you know um, Josh Walden's preaching at the youth house this week, and Grant comes in um, December, you know Josh is going to bring his King James Bible. Okay, that's fine. That's what he wants to preach out of. Grant will bring his version ESV. That's fine because I know these guys enough that they're going to preach the same message. So it doesn't bother me, and I don't think twice about it because they're going to get up and preach Jesus with all that they have, and that's what we're supposed to do. And so I hope people feel encouraged by this, but I also want to say if you're listening to this and you feel challenged, go look it up for yourself. Go Literally, all you have to do is get on Google and just type in translations, study it out, look at the history, and you're going to come to a few charts that show you the history and they show you all what a word-for-word translation and all these things mean. I think you'll come to the same conclusion that the three of us have come to tonight. That you do have multiple translations. Word for word is where you want to hang out. There's some out there that are bad, but it's not just King James only. Um, In fact, go study the history of King James, and you'll find out he was an interesting man as well. So, with that being said, guys, do you have anything else you want to add to the intro? This is kind of like an episode that has two directions because we knew that would take a while but we have one question left on our discipleship and uh, we're going to take the last 20-15 minutes to talk about it Um, and I'm excited because the question is how do you truly know that you are in discipleship how do you truly know you are in discipleship this is our last segment of um, discipleship and so we're going to take the last 20 minutes of this segment to kind of finish this out so guys who wants to go first? So I don't have the scripture written down. Uh, that's my fault because we were just talking about it and God just impressed it uh, as you as you were talking. But to know that you're in the process of being discipled, uh, there's a longing, there's a hunger, there's a there's a uh, appetite for God's word that develops within you, and. Uh, uh, one of the prophets once said, you know what, man, I'm not going to do this anymore. It's just not worth it. It's too much trouble. I'm quitting. Jeremiah. Yeah. And he said, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm done. It wasn't just a little while. And he said, you know what? It was like a fire that was shut up in my bones. Mm-hmm. And I had to have more. So a good key indicator that you're in the discipleship uh, process is that hunger, that longing, that desire to 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 be in uh, a passionate pursuit of God and uh, gaining knowledge of His Word? And uh, uh, you know, all of us, uh, you know, our appetites are different. Uh, when, when I was first uh, saved at the age of twelve, uh, I was satisfied with the the Sunday school teachers, you know, and helping them. You know, doing the memory verses and and getting my little star put on the graph on the wall and all that stuff was you know encouraging to me. But 
when I got up in my late teens and early 20s and started to realize that, man, there's things I need to know. And then I got out on my own and uh, started my own family. And now I've got responsibilities as a husband. Well, where do I find these answers at? Well, they're in God's word and start pushing myself to learn. Uh, so that hunger and that desire to me is a really good indicator that you have begin the, begun the process of uh, discipleship. Yeah, and it's that daily, that like you said, though, it's that daily continuing on and that hunger that doesn't ever get satisfied. It's, it's, it's continually pushing towards that. Because like I know for me that when I, I used to never read at all. Yeah. I, it was not on my list of things that I felt to be important. Um, I'm the same way. I mean, it was one of those things that was, which I've, I don't, I'm not a, <laughs> I ain't no dummy. So all you listeners don't judge me when you think I, I say I'm not a good reader. <laughs> I, I, I've got some, some dyslexia and things that go mm-hmm. on, along with, you know, my reading ability, but. As far as my free time sitting down with a, a novel or a uh, a book and reading, I don't do it. I yeah. don't, I don't you read and me news- both. No, yeah. don't, Ain't gonna don't do read it. the newspaper. Right. Don't do any of that thing. Majority of the reading that I do is Bible, yes. is Scripture. Yes. And I understand that that is a need in my development, not just spiritually, but intellectually and in, in, in my uh, stability. Is to help me sit down with God's word, read it, and like you said, not one time, sometimes two and three times, yeah, to get the comprehension and the understanding of the meaning and what the word's saying. Man, it, it takes some effort, right? And it gets to a time and place, you know, has for me to where like I need the daily reading. Yep. I need, I need to sit down and be in the Word of God. Yep. And and the other thing with the discipleship is is that when you it's it's amazing how much the Lord will change your life if you truly just seek Him, because it used to be where I would counsel people with what I thought, and you get to a place to where it doesn't matter what I think. It really doesn't have any effect on your life what I think, but what does matter is the Word of God. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and you can you can boldly stand before somebody. And be like, you know, you're you are in error right now because you are living in a sinful lifestyle, you know. So you're saying all these problems that have just came up. Well, it's not the problems that just came up. It's the the root problem yeah. is going to be the sin issue. And, here's and my, I can show you where. Here's my reference material. <laughs> exactly, and I can show you yeah. where that you know the Lord says that this is sin. Yep. You know, and so if you really want to fix all this outer edge, let's get to the core. Let's look at the sinful nature that, you know, and that's part of the discipleship process to where you get to be, and, and, and as well as if somebody comes to you, a brother, you come to me and say, hey, Josh, listen, this is an issue I've noticed, or this is something I'm starting to see that I'm not liking. Part of that discipleship program, uh, process is understanding, too, that rebuke, and rebuttal from a brother in love yeah. is well needed and well, and you should you should bring that upon yeah, absolutely. And um, like I think when we when we did this live on Sunday, that Sunday we did this. When it came to this word, I think we really rotated around the word desire um, because a true like you guys, there's a longing, there's a do- desire within us um, to seek the Lord 
um, to find him in a sense through his word, through prayer, through worship. And that a true disciple has that desire. And someone who doesn't, well, I you know, and it's we talked about this before. When you look at Mark and when you read Matthew um, and Luke, you know, there's the parable of the sower of the seed. And so, you know, it talks about that a, a farmer goes out and he throws seed. Um, you know, talking about somebody who goes out and spreads the word. The seed represents the word. Um, you look at your four instances of where the seed falls along the path and it's stolen, it's robbed um, by birds, which represents the enemy. Then you look at the seed that fell among the rocky ground, which um, it can't grow in rocky ground. And then uh, once it kind of sprout, sprouted up for a good while, right? It, it was good for a little bit. All of a sudden the sun came up, scorched it because it had no sort of root. And, you know, that that's really laying on that there's people out there that they'll get excited, they'll get hype on Jesus, but when hard times or struggles or persecution comes, the sun comes up, they wither away, they can't handle it. Can't stand it. And yeah. here's the thing too, like a lot of times you think about like that plant's dead, but like that can happen in increments. Like people get hopped on Jesus for a while, then they don't, then they get hopped on Jesus for a while and they don't. It's a pattern that can happen. Then you look at the the thorns, you know, the flower grows up choked by the thorns. So that represents, you know, someone who made some sort of profession, but in the end they chose sin and were choked out by it. Then you have the last one, the good soil. And so you really have to reflect on where you stand because a true disciple is in the good soil. It may not grow fast. Or they might grow fast. They might grow the wrong way sometimes, and then the farmer's going to come along and, uh, you know, straighten it back. straight prune it, like yeah. we read in John 15. There's some things that take place. But when you look at that, you find out that you, you can find a true disciple by what kind of ground they're in. And then that brings me to John chapter 6, when, you know, and Alan's talked about this a, a lot in a lot of our podcasts, when Jesus is talking about, you know, Unless you eat of my my flesh and drink my blood, um, and that's a that's a King James quote right there. Uh, I mean, literally, when it talks about King, you know, um, eat my flesh, drink my blood, you know, you you have no part with me. And I'm paraphrasing that, but you get down to verse sixty, and when many of his disciples heard it, this is the ESV version. They said, "This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it?" Real quick, just just to kind of. Many, many, therefore, of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? That sounds, that was the King James. Those sound pretty identical. Uh, 61. But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this. So you just see that there's a hard saying. Something's been said. Um, then you see a lot of them would leave because they can't handle it. He looks at his, uh, you know, disciples. He says, do you take defense, defense of this? And all, all eventually, basically, Peter's just like, Lord, where do we go? You have the words of eternal life. So you see that whether through the analogy of the soils, it's almost like everyone's brought to a John chapter 6. You have to decide. But if you are truly saved and you are truly in the process, your desire will be just like Peter. You'll say, you have the words of life. Where else will we go? But see, the other three soils, whether it was they robbed, the enemy robbed it, the hard ground, the vine, or the, the thorns, they fall to that first category of people that said, this is hard, and then they walk away. And Jesus was in the process of teaching. Here we go. We're giving instruction. We're, 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 we're giving you what you need. What discipleship is. And now here we go. This reveals now we've got two categories of people. We've got a, a group of people that say, hey, I didn't sign up for all that. I, don't, I like my 
Sunday night football. I don't, I don't, you know, I didn't sign up for all this stuff. And then you've got the group of people who said, man, there's no other place I'd rather be. Exactly. There's nothing else to, nothing to offer what you can offer. And, and, and those people too, Alan, I mean, even when they're tired and sometimes they might be thinking, I just want to go to bed. They're, they're there. They yep. want to be there. They have yep. a desire for it. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, but, and then you, but the, the, the fact of the matter is when there's uh, that revelation in you that I don't care who's watching. I don't care who knows. I right. don't, I don't, I'm not doing it for rec- recognition or a pat on the back. There's something about being in the presence of God that a dis- that a disciples of his realize I've got to, I've got to be there. And it's, it's not because the preacher will miss me. It's not because they're taking role or giving perfect attendance awards. It's because I'm a child of God. Yep. And, you know, the, and here's the thing, too. The Bible says that the wheat and tares will grow together. Yeah. And so you're going to have people in the process of true discipleship where their heart is just in it. I mean, they're all about the Word. They're not perfect. They struggle with things. They might even have doubts and struggle with other other things. But they're in it, dude. They're sold out. They're sealed by the Spirit of God. They know whom they believe in, um, and they're going. And they're they're gonna be in it. They're gonna grow. They're gonna desire. They're gonna want meat. They're one. All those things will take place for someone who's in true discipleship. Absolutely. I mean, when uh, Jesus when he moved somewhere else, the disciples were on his feet. I mean, they were right behind him. So you're gonna have people that are like that. Jesus isn't physically here, but I mean, we have the word right here that we should cling to and that we should, and we're there. Yeah. Um, and when God says go, who 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 will go? Send send me. Send me. Send me, and I'll go. Um, they'll have that mentality, and that's your wheat. I mean, um, but then you look at the tares, and see, this is where it, it, it just get ha- it gets difficult because I can't discern whether someone's truly a wheat or a tear. That's why the Bible says, "Examine yourself to see if whether you be of the faith." It's a self examination that you have to let God do and reveal truth to you personally to see whether you're a wheat or a tear whether you're lost or saved. But when it says that the wheat and the tares grow together, that tells me that they're going to be lost people that are going to be in our midst. And not only are they going to be in our midst, uh, but I even think about in Titus where it talks about people who profess godliness. They're going to profess godliness. They're going to try to blend in. And the sad part is, is some people will do it because of self-righteousness. Some people will do it because they won't surrender to the gospel. And some people might even do it for deceitful things, such as the prosperity gospel and false teaching and all the, that stuff that takes place. But the truth of the matter is, are we in true discipleship? Are, are we engaged in our church? I mean, we got Bible studies here. We got things going on. Are we engaged in our church? Um, are we engaged in our personal walk with Christ? Do we have a desire to read throughout the week, not just Sundays? Do we pray without ceasing? Do we have things we're burdened for? Do we have a desire to see the Lord? And those are just all, those are questions. I got one more. Do we do we desire to be obedient to the Holy Spirit? Oh. I mean, he speaks to me all the time. And, and Grieve not. Under, understanding, yeah. understanding yeah. that just by acknowledging the whisper of his voice and the direction that he wants you to go and the providence that, that he has orchestrated your day. You know what? So-and-so's coming into your path. Man, 
I see him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wonder what's going on in his life today. Yeah. yeah. And the Holy Spirit prompts you, just goes, hey, man, why don't you just... Past that, the wind in the mulberry trees that, blows yeah. and you're gone. Yeah. That that concept, man, alive. I, and don't get me wrong, guys. I am not sitting here by any means wanting to make anybody think that I am 100% point, uh, uh, on point or, or spot on. Uh, man, I, I struggle with a lot of things in my life. But I tell you what, I know <laughs> I'm getting passionate. I'm getting amped up. I know without a shadow of a doubt in my mind that i'm in pursuit of that yeah and there's a desire in my heart to be more obedient to the holy spirit yeah john tent my sheep know my voice they hear me and you know what scares me too is you know jesus if you love me keep my commandments keep my words that's the truth right there and I, I just, I, I guess I just think about people who say they love him, but they don't keep his commandments. Now, we all sin, right? We all fall short. But I'm talking about deliberately choosing yeah. to live in sin. And yet they say they love the Lord. And that scares me because when you look at true discipleship, if you love him, you're striving to keep his words to the best of your ability. Now, you might get angry. You might do something. You might... But what's the first thing a true disciple does? They get on their knees and they repent. They don't continue. Shall we continue in sin? Shall God we? Con- forbid. God forbid. And see, we realize that and we see that. So we're like, well, I've just sinned, but I'm not going to continue in that sin. I'm going to repent. I'm going to get back on that straight and narrow path. I'm going to walk in the Spirit of God and I'm going to be renewed. I'm going to be forgiven and I'm going to keep being strong. But if you know you're in sin, and you acknowledge that, and, and then you're okay with it, and you that's still that stiffening of the neck, that's that's mm. get, yeah. <laughs> and then you get into some other things, and we and, 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 and holding again, the truth and unrighteousness. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and it, there's a there is a there is a I mean the scriptural term of backsliding where uh, I'm myself personally I've been in a position to where no neck gets stiff and I ignore and I, I reject and, and and that's a dangerous place to be in for a child of God. Yep. We'll go ahead and uh, and. And, and maybe pitch a little uh, uh, preview of a future topic of the eternal security of the believer, because uh, I think that Baptists have done the Word of God a large injustice by mm. throwing around so freely the term "once saved, always, always saved," yeah. okay. which is not in the Bible. No, and it's not in the but, Bible. But the the concept of understanding the fact that there is the eternal security of a true believer in the Bible, in yes. the Bible. But yes. not that specific phrase. No, no. And, and no. there's a lot of people that are professing and stand firmly behind that. Yeah. Oh, once saved, always saved. I was saved when I was five and years old do- at, at BBS. Yes, it's, it's, it's doctrine. Yes. <laughs> and that's it. Well, I mean, oh, man. That's like two weeks ago, uh, I did a sermon at the youth house uh, in the title of it's Come As You Are, right? Because you hear that in church. The Bible says come as you are. The Bible literally does not say that phrase. Yeah. Nowhere. The, when the Bible teaches us to come as we are, that you know what Jesus is saying about that? He's saying, hey. Bring your filthiness to me. Bring your sins. Don't just bring me your lifestyle and be okay with it. Come to... And so there's a lot of phrases like that, and that would be a great future. Even the stiff neck, when we were talking about backsliding, that would be a good topic that we could talk on one day because, Lord, I I was in that for a while. Uh, And another one, too, that just to tie in with that, another big misconception that, you know, I hear in this area quite frequently is my sin outweighs that. There's no salvation for me. I've done too much. Mm. And I've been I've run into that here lately yeah. a lot. 
And you know, I've done a lot of. I've done yeah, too I've many done bad too things. Much. I've done too much against yeah, I've heard it. That. They, 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 you know, there's no hope for me. You know, for others, yes, but for me, no. And that's another big misconception that you know that I, yeah. I feel would be a good topic to discuss. Yes. Yeah, and um, and I just I guess out of this segment, if I if I had like a one liner that people would one study things out for yourself and find out what we're saying if it's true or not. Because, I mean, it's even like I, you cannot build a foundation off what I say. You can build a foundation off what the Bible says. Now, when you look at the translations topic that we talked about, study that out for yourself. Because you need to, like, even if you're like, well, I've studied it out and I understand what you're saying, but I just want to stay in my King James Bible. That's great. If that's what you want to be in, then be in it. And I, I just pray that God blesses you and grows you tremendously. We're, Mitchell just asked the question because, you know, that's something that everybody talks about it, but nobody talk like gets into it in depth. And I'm not afraid to because I, I just know what the truth is about the translations. But if everyone could know the truth of the translations, then figure out which one's best for you and then let your brothers and your sisters yeah. be in yeah. theirs. Because I've also seen it too where people will claim one, like, one. I, and I'm, dude, they'll say, well, I, I'm King James only. And they'll say it to the wrong person, and the next thing you know, they have now entered into a church history theology class for one. Because the person they said that to is well-studied. Right. And they're like, oh, well, you want you don't like what I use? Well, here you go. Let's walk through the history and where my version that I use comes from. And they'll... So you really got to be careful when you claim things because if you claim it without having a basis or a foundation, then that's just an empty claim. Yeah. That's an opinion with no sort of foundation. So let's all get to the point where when we say something, let's have a basis, let's have a foundation, let's not cause strife and cause division. There you go. And let's promote each other to brotherly love and the edification and discipleship of being a Christian. And now we're getting where we need to be. And that's, and I'm that's just, it. And, and I mean, that's, so real quickly, I have teenage kids and they love hearing something and repeating it. And the other night, that's what I did. I, I called them out on it and I'm like, okay, stop right there. I was like, I, want, I now want to know. And they're like, you want to know what? And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. So convince me. And they're like, well, that, no, um, uh. And I'm like, exactly my point. And it's like, so learn from this. Don't just repeat it because you have heard it. It's one thing when it's your opinion, you've studied it, you've understand it. You came to this conclusion to where you can say, I am this. So be it. Because then when you meet those people and they go, why are you that? You know, you can, you have a foundation that you can stand on. But when you are just repeating and you're just citing something that you heard somebody else say, you're going to be standing there, like and like Hunter yes. said. You're going to stand there empty-handed, and you're going to have a class for. for you one. weren't prepared for that. No, that day, and I and that even like, you know, when I first started coming here, me, Grant, and our good friend Josh Walden, we're all just we're we're young preachers, young ministers, and our pastor, um, he started meeting with us, and unfortunately, you know, his schedule got super busy, so we had to switch some things up. But the one time we really got to meet up was basically he challenged us on. Um, our subjects and so he was like he was like um 
what do you think about predestination? And I was just like, well, I've heard you say this, and I've heard you say this, and I've heard you say this, and he was just like, okay, you've heard what I've said, but what do you know about predestination? And I was just like, I don't. And he's like, well, sounds like you need to study it up because if you tell me you, you agree with it one way or the, or other, the other you and you any- don't have anything for it, then, uh, well, you're just locked up. So, guys, do you all have anything else you want to say? God bless. God bless. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Peace out. Peace out.